Not believe this is episode eight. Where has time gone? Anyway, this is your girl Onyeka, aka Yeka O, and with me are my three amazing co-hosts. Do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey everyone, this is Amayo. Hi everyone, this is Ife. Hi everyone, this is Ife Yua. Awesome. Another cool thing about today, wait, did I say another? Because I didn't say anything cool before. Whatever. We have a guest on the show today. I'm super excited about this guest. Um, she is calling all the way from South Africa. So woohoo. Do you want to go ahead and tell people Yay. who you are, um, what you do, and anything you want them to know about you? <laughs> all right. Well, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Lebo for short. And I am currently um, in school, so I'm studying law at the moment in my final year, finally. Wow. Um, <laughs> I guess that's it. That's it about me right now. Awesome, awesome. Well, today is going to be a very interesting episode. We've like been talking about doing this episode for the longest time, and so we're mm. finally doing it. And it's our education episode, and you already know that because you can see the title in the thing. Mm -hmm. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to start this uh, podcast a little bit differently. You know, I feel led, feel moved to do this. Um, and everyone is like, what is she talking about? So growing up, um, there was a song that my dad always used to sing to me. Um, and I'm going to start off with that song because I'm going to try to use that to be the guideline for our conversation today. Is that okay? Any chance for you to sing, I mean, you just want no, to Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I promise you, this is nothing like, this is no Mariah Carey, nothing. This is actually an evil, which, um, if you think back to our identities episode, which I think was episode two, um, you found that Yuffie and I are both evil. So this is an evil, and I'll definitely do the translation, okay? So it goes this way. Akokwana tutha. And so it basically just means that education is good, it's great, but it's difficult. However, if you persevere or have a strong will, you'll be able to learn. But that's only if your parents are able to afford it, though. So, just starting I'm, I'm up. I'm the at the end. I was like, there has to be some money. <laughs> Am I stereotyping? Thank you so much for that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, see, guys, it's not Mariah Carey. Um, so, we're going to start off just asking everyone to just think back to whether it's high school or secondary school, elementary school or primary school, college, grad school, whatever it is, um, to some of your fondest memories about going to school in your country, so Nigeria and South Africa. Um, and can you also just like give a little shout out to where you went to elementary school, high school, college, whatever you want to do? So one of my, or yeah, one of my fondest memories of elementary school is assembly so at, mm. in the mornings everybody will line up and there's an assembly where the principal or headmistress i think it's headmistress at that time headmistress will talk and my favorite part of assembly are marching songs so to march off the assembly field there'll be you know marching songs and on fridays one of the marching like on fridays the marching song that we typically marched out to was was this song that goes um so we 
going back, I don't know, it has infected me with her singing, but basically, uh, the song is a Yoruba song, and it's it's saying that we go to school five days of the week, there's no school on Saturday and Sunday, make sure you work really hard and be diligent, that's basically the gist of it, so it was basically a celebration of the weekend, so we sang it on Fridays, and we're like, yay, you know, very enthusiastic about the fact that there's no school on, on Saturday and Sunday. Um, this is if you want it. Well, the first memory that came to mind, I went to Queen's College. Um, okay. uh, second, my secondary school education was at Queen's College in Lagos. And the first memory that came to mind was like snack time. I don't know, that memory just really sticks out to me when like would have some guys come from the shop and bring like crates of mineral and then we would have snacks like meat pies and some other things and the snack prefects would go out and get the snacks for like the class and I don't know, just something about that memory, just seeing the guys, I think they wore orange shirts. Um but I don't know, that's just one memory that's like very, that just like jumped out at me. Snack time. I think it was like eleven o'clock in the morning. That's when we only had snack time. But I'm trying to think of other fun memories. Boarding school was just like I don't know, we that's another episode on its own, but it's just a lot to unpack. Yeah, um, like hearing your stories, I think I'm reminded. Um, so this is Lebo again. And I'm reminded of, um, so I went to school in a small, well, not really a small town, but a town called Bloemfontein um, in the middle of South Africa. Mm-hmm. And my school was called St. Michael's School. And it was an Anglican school. And some of, one of my fondest memories, I guess, was chapel. So we had chapel every morning, mm-hmm. uh, Monday through Friday. And um, like bright and early in the morning. And I just remember like being in the choir from the seventh grade. And there was a chance where you got to like see everyone first thing in the morning um, where it was a small community. So we'd also have like people write in the announcement books like whose birthday it was. And so everyone knew like people's birthdays and just coming up to people and saying happy birthday. Um, Mm -hmm. It was always started with announcements from like the head girl, the headmaster. Um, And then we had to have like a a quick Bible reading and then a sermon, like a fun sermon. So I think that was one of my fondest memories, um, just being in the chapel um, every day. It was just a lovely building as well to be in. And that just start your day with a sense of community um, Mm -hmm. was really great. Okay, so I think I have, so I went to two primary schools and they both were very different. Um, My very first one was well, they taught the British curriculum, and it was a more international school. So naturally, um, they were more into the arts mm-hmm. <laughs> and creativity. So I know, like one of my memories, my fondest memories, were when we would have um, events in our hall. So we would have plays and shows from our different and exhibitions from our different clubs, mm-hmm. and um, we had like talent shows and all that fun stuff where you'd see a people's effort and planning and rehearsals or all coming to fruition. And they were always fun and exciting days when we have things in the hall. So um, yeah, those were really good times, really good times. I remember being the narrator in every single play <laughs> except one. I don't know why. I mean, I you're being asked because radio ready voice and a <laughs> voice. I think I think it was more because I'm a terrible actor. But hey, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they just don't know how to play things. You tell people, tell children mean things. So it's just like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. These are good boys, but no, you're just because I couldn't act. Um, so yeah, that was one fun memory. And then in my other primary school, which was a very typical Nigerian school, where it was like math and math. And <laughs> math. Um, I just remember lots of spelling bees. I remember when we, we when we would have dictation and the teacher would tell us to turn our chairs around and back the board so you wouldn't see the words on the board. And she would call out the words for us to write down and spell and you know, people would pass, people would fail, but yeah, fun times. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. 
Yeka over here, and one of my fondest memories of just going to school in Nigeria, period, whether it was in primary school, secondary school, was inter-house sports. Now, for those people who are not Nigerians or who don't have this in their country, um, inter-house sports was a time where um, the different students got grouped into different houses, we would call them, and they would mm -hmm. compete against each other, whether it was uh, track or um, QC, I think we had javelin and uh, shot poos or something like that. I don't know. Any other fun memories? Yes. From anyone? Yeah, okay, do tell. <laughs> when 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 you said inter-house sports, it just triggered a lot of memories. Because like Queen's College, like, inter-house sports was so big, especially if you were a senior. Either oh, you marched, girl, which is like a really that. big deal to march for your house. <laughs> Let me not even go into the details, like what from what you wear, how you stand mm -hmm. out from the rest. So either I'm watching for your house or in SS2, which is secondary school to year two, whatever, you would um, do calisthenics. Pom-poms and the whole class like had their outfit and like the color. And like, yeah, so inter-house was such a big deal. It's just like, I just so many memories. You think what I all went to QC? And Amaya, you went to Loyola? Yes, I went to Loyola. Label, did you go to high school in South Africa? Um, so I did most of my high schooling in South Africa, but I actually finished off in Tennessee. Ooh, thank you now. I <laughs> <laughs> you can't wait to college in Tennessee. That's why she got all excited right now. I did. <laughs> oh, really? Where about? I went to, to Maribel College. Okay, so I'm going to transition us from all these fun memories, which are all well and good, to more serious talk. Um, and so the question is, in what way do you feel like your education on the African continent kind of prepared you or equipped you for college here in the state? Because we all mm. went to college here in the state. So mm. do you feel like you did? And in what way? Um, I can go first. Okay. I think um, my experience in boarding school definitely equipped me for, well, not fully equipped me, but, you know, got me ready a little bit for, you know, that independence in college. So at least I, I was able to learn, you know, discipline, self-discipline, how to keep to a schedule, how to study at my own time or study when I have to or need to. Um, just daily things that I rebelled against then, but I didn't mm -hmm. see how how they formed me to the person that I would, you know, be so grateful for um, while in college. So even little things like ironing my clothes at certain times and, mm -hmm. you know, doing my laundry in general or just learning how to study with, with noise in the background because mm. secondary school students don't know how to keep quiet during study hall. Just <laughs> um, little things like that. I think boarding school was great. And I, like I always say that when I look back, I only remember the good memories. I also learned a lot about friendship in secondary school. I could yeah. also translate to communication and making friends, communication skills and making friends in college um, and just understanding what true friendship is, how to trust people, things like that. Also helped with my faith too, because I went to a Catholic secondary school and I also went to a Catholic university. So, you know, just going to mass every day in secondary school kind of pushed me to go to mass regularly in university and get more involved in campus ministry and university, those things like that. So I'm very, very grateful for my, for both experiences. Let's even take a step back. When we say boarding school, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the education system in Nigeria, mm. when we say boarding school, we don't mean American, you know, preppy, mm -hmm. fancy boarding school. In Nigeria, there are private schools and there are public schools, and either of those schools can be boarding schools. So we went, or I went, to a public boarding school. So imagine what you will of what that will look like. It was a hustle. It was, you know, most times it was struggle central. Basically, the summary of this preamble is to tell you that it was not a cozy atmosphere. It was not at all. It was a hustling something. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to 
to Oyeka's question about preparation, I think going to boarding school definitely prepared me to be independent. It adjusted me for being away from home for a long period of time. But in terms of the actual education I received, I think that's questionable. I really think yeah. it because, number one, our class sizes were ridiculously large. I went to so Queen's College is a prestigious, quote-unquote, public school. <laughs> I and... hear people coughing when they listen to this part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the Viviafala girls are coughing. Let's not get into that. But yeah. So Queen's College is a quote-unquote um, prestigious public secondary school. So everybody wanted their you know, their daughters to go there. And the class sizes were big. And so there were 81 people in my class, in my actual class. So a teacher will come to class and he will have to, you know, wow. teach 81 students. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't yeah. until my last year in secondary school that our classes were split into half. So there were now like about 40 people in their class. But classes were large and I think in general the education the Nigerian education system focuses on on forcing more like forcing information down your throat without helping you understand what you're actually learning so it's very much of rote memorization and oh you know you don't like you just be saying one plus one equals two but you're not even like nobody will count out the one plus one and show you how it equals two yeah. things like that so I don't think it didn't prepare me for a liberal arts education in the sense that liberal arts schools, you have to, it's critical thinking, it's analyzing, mm -hmm. it's questioning. Mm -hmm. So I had to develop the skills of actually, I had to learn how to question things and how to formulate questions and how to write. That's, that's another thing that I, mm -hmm. I'm so bitter about, about mm -hmm. my secondary school mm -hmm. education because the writing, uh, right? <laughs> Writing during the end. <laughs> okay, so nice. Like imagine, imagine a writing prompt be, oh. uh, had I known always comes back. So some, some writing Nollywood movie script. Yes, that, oh, I remember, and I will forever live with this stigma. thoughtful analysis of text. I guess. Yeah, so, like, there's so much to unpack. Like, you know, I could go on and on about what, what was wrong and what was, what had issues. But yeah. in, in all of that, I don't know if we're going to come to this later. Like, you, are we going to talk about, like, just like, there goes Ife again. Just okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there goes Ife, like, talking. You're oh, my good. God. No, but it was okay, wonderful. So, it was wonderful. Yeah, so I'll, 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 I'll zip it for now. <laughs> I guess I can share with you guys. I think listening to you have had similar experiences, I guess also go moving over. Um, so I think in South Africa, similarly to Nigeria, it was about we became masters of memorization. Mm -hmm. um, and so that you, you get into there and you know, okay, fine, there's a textbook and just memorize it verbatim. And that is essentially what will be on a test or anything that is expected of you um, in terms of assignments. We had... Um, I guess our English class for me um, was a little bit more in line with what my liberal arts education was in the sense that we were forced to read and analyze to a certain degree, but it was never to the full extent that um, my liberal arts education was or nor my high school in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in that regard, it was like similar. I remember the first, like, the first term that I spent in my high school in Tennessee my English teacher pulled me aside and he's like, you know, Lebo, um, you might have to reconsider your writing. And, mm -hmm. you know, I felt like at that stage, like really embarrassed about it. And I'm not sure because I always knew that, you know, I'm able to compose a sentence, I thought. Right. Yeah. Um, I was able to, um, to think about certain things and read and tell you what was going on. But what was required was more of this critical analysis. Um, and I would always remember like one of our professors saying that, you know, in your papers, they want to learn about you. And so your voice should shine through it. And it wasn't about, you know, necessarily saying what the author had said or what mm -hmm. um, the professor or teacher had said. So I think that's where kind of the major differences were. Um, but I think equally in terms of when you're speaking of your positive social experiences, I too went to a boarding school and I think I learned very quickly how to live with people who did not necessarily come from the same background as I did, 
as you guys are aware, like South Africa is a multiracial country. And so mm-hmm. I was in school with people who I wouldn't necessarily have seen on the daily. And so that was a learning experience for me. And then also just being in close confinement with, you know, 13 or 14 other girls at a time. So my school was relatively <laughs> small. So we had mm-hmm. <laughs> we had about like 500 students from grade, like from pre from pre-K up until the 12th grade. So like our classes were relatively small. You get to know people very well. Um, But it was also strict in the sense that our days were planned up from 6.30 in the morning until we went to Mm -hmm. bed. (laughs) So that in that regard, you learned how to be more disciplined, new, to set time for yourself to like study. And that I was able to take forward with me, I think, in my um, undergraduate experience as well. This is Ifeema here. And... I definitely agree with everything Ife said earlier and what Amaya said earlier. But I also wanted to add that I guess the education I received both at my primary school, I went to Nazareth Primary School and I went to Queens College um, for secondary school. But those two schools, the education I got, the way it prepared me for my college education at Mount Holyoke is that they definitely toughened me. Because I remember when I got to Mount Holyoke and I ran into the concept of extra credit, the concept of extension, asking, (laughs) having the audacity to ask a professor for extension. Like, it was just something (laughs) that I had never heard of before. Like, at home, Mm. it's like, if a professor tells you it's due on Friday, like, Mm. if you must bleed, like, you have to find (laughs) a way to make it happen. You know, so I think it definitely toughened me to when I got to college, like, doing every, like, if it was in my power to make it happen by the deadline, like, I, you know, just coming, asking for an extension just wasn't, well, that was my first year, (laughs) Um, and then eventually (laughs) I definitely assimilated and I fell in line, Um, but, and I think also, like, what Ife said, like, definitely, I think the education I received, like, it wasn't, there were definitely some downsides in the sense that when I came to my whole week, like my writing was not what I thought it was. It wasn't as good as mm-hmm. I thought it was. Um, and even now when I read some of my papers from my first year, I'm like, whew, I just like, I'm like, I almost want to deny that that was me. <laughs> um, and then also, I think the other thing that my education in Nigeria didn't prepare me for um, is definitely research. And Mm -hmm. as a scientist, research is Mm -hmm. such a huge part of science, and it's Mm -hmm. something that I feel like was definitely ignored um, Mm -hmm. during my education in Nigeria. Like, research, like, it just, I mean, reading articles and peer-reviewed papers, like, what? Like, it just, it just, it was non-existent. Um, And so that was another facet of my Mount Holyoke education that I was, like, completely blown away by. Um, so research, and then the other thing I would mention is internship, the concept of internships, and what to do with your summer. I That was also something that I had to get a handle on, and realizing how important that was for life after college. And, yeah, so. But just to add to what if you just said, so, yeah, like, internships, and also, like, maybe not internships were just like working during breaks because I remember mm-hmm. when I mm-hmm. when I first got to college a lot of the people that I met had I mean they they had some sort of work experience be it you mm-hmm. know selling um, lemonade mm-hmm. um, by the beach or like by the road or by their houses over the summer or like working for their uncles or their dads and I, I just feel like many many of the people that I knew from Nigeria didn't weren't that independent or weren't that proactive when it came to getting experience or any sort of work experience. It was like, oh, it's summer, it's time to relax, it's time to travel, it's time to uh, see my friends and play and go to a quick club. Uh, it wasn't really, oh, let me see where I can find a job and, you know, beef up my resume. People were already thinking like that in high school and in middle school and we weren't really encouraged to go out of our way to do that. Yeah, that was that's definitely very important. Thank you that's for raising a, that. That's a good point too. Um, I mean, whereas like a lot of people definitely traveled over the summer holidays or things like that, my mom definitely was like, "You're going to listen. 
And for those people who <laughs> don't understand the concept of lesson, it's just like after school tutoring, not really tutoring, let's be honest, who are we kidding? Um, you just got exactly the same thing but at school, only that it was more intense. So you had a lesson teacher who would come to your house and you just didn't like, and would wake you up on your Saturdays and it's just like, why? Anywho, um, as far as the things I feel like going, like the education in Nigeria prepared me for um, was being involved mm-hmm. right from primary school. I went to Redeemers International School, and so right from there, you know, we're, we had all these clubs and organizations, and so, you know, I was part of music club. Funny story, I actually wanted to be in catering club, and then my mom found out that I used the money to pay for catering club instead of music club, <laughs> and she dragged me to music club. <laughs> <laughs> like, she really did. I was really embarrassed that day. So, yeah, so being involved in things like music club or um, whether it was, uh, let's see, we have this thing called Light Factory. It was just like all these little things being involved. And then QC as well, you know, being involved in like the band and choir and all those things. So when I came to college, you know, I knew, okay, this is my chance to do science that I love, but also to be able to like explore, you know, the arts, which I was really, really passionate about too. Um, because I was not going to tell my dad I was going to college to study music. He, yeah, he would not pay tuition. Bye, um, girl. So, <laughs> so definitely, definitely, that was prepared in that regard, and also just for leadership opportunities. Like um, in QC, you know, we have what we call prefects, and I think every most mm-hmm. high schools, secondary schools in Nigeria had prefects, and so these are the people who were kind of in charge of the student body. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So. I was I was a perfect um, in in secondary oh. school and just so that definitely prepared me for a lot of um, roles when I transitioned into college um, where I had to lead people and so it wasn't it wasn't like a new concept to me um, maybe I had to learn some more things on how to deal with people without being judgmental or things like that but like it wasn't a completely different concept for me to grasp um, and so with regards to the things that or the thing that I wasn't really prepared for was the concept of volunteerism, right? Um, I went to college in Tennessee, Maryville College, and it's super, super huge on giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, we worked crazy number of volunteer hours every day, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to give back, whether it was through teaching kids. I know I definitely worked with um people with learning disabilities and having a reading club for them or working in the alternative school. And um, that wasn't something that we did. Like I said, I was in lesson the whole time. So ain't nobody got time to be volunteering anywhere. Um, So much so that even when I went back home, I think it was the summer of 2012 or 11, um, I tried to volunteer somewhere. And the reception I got was like, wait, like, what do you mean? You know, and I was like, yeah, I'm trying to, like, you know, give service without earning mm. money. And they were like, okay, so, well, you, you'll have to pay 50000 naira to apply. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you might be confused. I'm not asking for an internship or a job. Like, I'm trying to. <laughs> but, yeah, a story for, for another day. But, yeah, so that's definitely um, something I wasn't prepared for. Is there anything else that you guys think that we might have left out? since we just transitioned to this automatically. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to, this is a funny one, I just wanted to add on to what we've all somewhat touched on about how in college, like, running into this idea of, like, critical thinking. And I and I just, it occur, occurred to me that I feel like our education, like, mirrors our society, mm-hmm. right? So, like, at home, it's very much this idea of, like, why, like, if your elder tells you this, mm-hmm. it's A is A is a, A is for mm-hmm. Apple. Like, there's no reason why you should question. <laughs> Even if it doesn't make sense, like, why should you question your elder? Like, they've told you that's what it is. It's what it is. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, here in the States, like, in this society, like, you're allowed to challenge ideas. There's yeah. space for that. And so I think, like, that, I guess my education, like, in Nigeria, missing that aspect of critical thinking and challenging ideas, it's because of the society. Like, I even think back to, like, an I didn't like, I, even now I'm kind of getting to that place where I can 
consider economics, but I, I've always hated econ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember, like, and I think mm-hmm. it's because of the professor that I really, okay, okay, guys, let me just talk about this, right? I went to King's <laughs> College. I didn't go to Loyola, where, I don't know uh-uh. if you plugged you guys. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Let me just tell you, Loyola was a private school, but it had all the elements of a public school. <laughs> So, All right, yeah. But like I just there were just some teachers that felt it felt like they hated like it would mm. just have nothing to do with your education. There was just like yeah. this I'm like, why why is this hate in this classroom and my dear? Like why? But I just had an econ teacher that I didn't like and it just it just trickled into the way she taught. And so I remember her teaching I think for for the life of me, that supply and demand curve, that line. I don't know why they're meeting in the middle. Yes. I remember in class like asking and she's like, but you know you just know how to memorize how to draw it so that in the wow. exam you can just draw it. And I'm like, but I don't wow. like why like what it and it got to the point like I feel like if I had kept on pressing, she would have flogged me. She would have given me a few strokes of the cane. Or told me to go in front of the class and kneel down and raise my hands. Or, <laughs> or you know, put one leg, one leg in the air, one finger on the ground. I don't mm. know, something along those lines. Oh, wow. But just as an example that you shouldn't challenge your teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And so where, like, in the States, in the classroom, there's room for, like, asking those questions. And the professor would even be like, you know, come to my office hours. What? Yeah. That was new. <laughs> you know, just like really being invested and like interested in hearing what you have to say. I mean, I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, definitely not every teacher like does that or goes to that extent. But, but yeah, but just there being space for you to like critically think about what you're consuming. And just like, I think all that to say that I think the education in each country mirrors like the society. Which brings me to my next question. Um, you think I kind of alluded to it earlier. Does sitting in a classroom necessarily equal learning? Nope. I mean, just based on all, based on what all of us have said um, from our different experiences, we've all sat in classrooms, and our experiences mm-hmm. in our different countries show that even though we were very well present in many of his classes in Nigeria and in South Africa, that did not equate to learning. If you were sat in her class, her econ class, and she asked questions, <laughs> and she did not learn, or she did not fully understand the demand and supply curve. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a matter of just sitting in class, clearly. It's a matter of you being open to what is being taught, and also the teacher being open to mm-hmm explain the topic and not just dictate from the textbook or oh, blah 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 mm-hmm. a is for apple a is not for ant it is for apple b is for boy <laughs> not for boy it is for boy so i mean <laughs> i don't know it's, it's i think it's just a clear it's it's just it's been it's just so clear to us that it's more than just sitting in class and it's more than just pretending to listen or, or sitting in the front roads being open teacher being willing to t- actually teach and not mm-hmm. just you know, see what has been said over mm. the years without fully understanding what it means. <laughs> Label has yeah. been kind of quiet a little I, bit. Do you want to tell us? I just laugh. Um, no, so I'm just quiet because it's just funny for me how like there's just a lot of similarities, right? Mm. And so like to me, I'm like over analyzing everything, just wondering where this stemmed from. Like, why is it that our education system is so similar and like. Mm-hmm. What? Why did we? Why are we subscribing to this kind of form of education? But mm-hmm. I think going to your question in terms of like sitting in a classroom, I think there's value to it. I think there are certain instances where you know sitting in a classroom and certain things are just you need to like memorize like no matter mm-hmm. what. But yeah. I think that yeah. more importantly, I think that what we've taken away from it is that we're wanting a more engaging classroom experience. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we're wanting to be able to to fundamentally understand, you know, what um, is being taught to us. Why our, as you're saying, A stands for apple, and why is that the only example given? Mm-hmm. Um, and also like just being able to to I guess be be inquisitive, right, and form a mm-hmm. relationship. And I think going back to what you guys are saying in terms of um, you know like office hours and things like that and that being foreign, there's some value of creating familiarity with mm-hmm. the person who's teaching you as well as the person teaching you with mm-hmm. the kids so that like 
you are fostering a place of engaging. So I think, yes, to a certain degree, there is some value of sitting in a classroom, but I think we need to fundamentally rethink how and what we're teaching kids. I like what you said, Libra, about how we have subscribed to this manner of teaching. teaching. Mm. Because I feel like at a point we had just settled and we mm. were okay with it. I mean, for like it's been this way for how many years, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it's just it's just recently that people are saying, okay, yes, we need to change our edu- our curriculum and our, mm-hmm. the way things are being taught. But I mean, for how many decades now it's been the same thing, and exactly. we, we really just subscribed and you know kept paying our, de- our dues and paying our school fees. We didn't even. And so, you know that that then brings me to this idea, though, right? That if you talk to a lot of professors here I mean some of them stumbled on being teachers and some people Mm. knew like this is what I want to do I -hmm. want to be able to teach which is why you have things like child development classes and you know all these things where people who are genuinely passionate about teaching go into the profession so then my question Mm -hmm. as a Nigerian I mean majority of people the way first of all was selecting people to go into different courses in university with like the different quota systems in different states, um, if this is what you got, well, biology, sorry, mm-hmm. or you know, people end up with that. Or for example, um, NYSC, right? People are posted to teach not because they have anything to do with teaching, mm-hmm. but because there's that demand for it, but the supply though is limited. Mm-hmm. See what I did there, Ify? Mm-hmm. Who who's gonna teach? How are we gonna get those mm-hmm. teachers? According to the stat, I think, is by AAI, the Africa American Institute. It says that mm-hmm. uh, for primary education alone, that we need to have one million new teachers in the African continent that need to be recruited mm-hmm. for us to meet wow. global standards. One oh, million. Wow. That's mind-blowing, man. And, you know, sorry, and I think, you know, with regards to the supply being limited, there is no incentive. Mm-hmm. There's no incentive to, to be yeah. a teacher like in Nigeria or it seems like most other like African countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, and I'm not very um, clear on the facts, but I know here they're like teaching programs like Teach for America and mm-hmm. Boston mm-hmm. Teachers Residency or like other programs that like encourage people to teach and then yeah. gives incentives like, oh, like loan forgiveness, like things mm-hmm. along those lines or like perks that are, I don't know, that are satisfactory, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, people mm. just pushed through uh, the National Youth Service Corps, uh, NYSE, to be in classrooms and, um, like you said, like if you score a certain, if you have a certain score, you're immediately transferred into some department that or some program that you actually don't care about. So I think mm-hmm. the way we recruit teachers has to change. Mm-hmm. And also, just going back to your question about sitting in a classroom, it doesn't equal learning, but like Label said, there's some value to it. But I think mm-hmm. there has to be other things added to. So, for example, like where I went to like Mount Holyoke, there are labs, there are internships, there there like mm-hmm. other there. I so I I did sciences. So for like my science class, like there are teachers assistants. There was plums, mm-hmm. which was like a way. To, mm-hmm. It was like extra lesson essentially. Um, where like you can get with other students and there's like some upper class woman who's taking the class and is really good. So like just sitting in class doesn't equal learning, but the other things, cause like there's some, and uh, this is also like for another episode, but things like ADHD and autism that are not addressed mm-hmm. like in Nigeria or mm-hmm. I don't know, some other African countries, there's some students that need to learn a different way. So some yeah. students who are considered mm-hmm. rowdy and then they're just like mm-hmm. easily, like always punished because mm-hmm. But there's some students that need to learn either by some, some there's some people that don't need to be in the classroom to learn yeah. um and there's some people who need um to learn through like experiential learning essentially through mm-hmm. internships through labs through research so i think like in addition to sitting in the classroom there's much more that has to happen outside the classroom oh my god that that that's really good um one thing i wanted to address before we wrap up this episode is is education for everybody because then if, if it is, what happens to vocational centers and, you know, all these other avenues where people can be useful to their society? Yeah, mm. I can talk about that. So this is Ife, by the way, and I think education is definitely for everybody. But I think the level of education is mm. where we can then say, okay, you know, mm. does everybody need to be educated to the same standard 
mm-hmm. uh, the same mm-hmm. level of education. We don't yeah. we don't all there isn't a high demand for PhDs in music. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Or there isn't, or nobody even, you know, not everybody likes music to that degree to want to get a PhD in. But I think we have a duty or our government or whoever, we shall have a duty to educate people to a certain standard. People should be able to read and write at the very Mm -hmm. basic. People should be able to make simple transactions, go to the grocery store, know how much change to collect, know how much Mm -hmm. to pay somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, like simple life skills like that. And I think that's where, that's what's like really breaking my heart in terms of the education in Nigeria, to be specific, I don't want to generalize and you know say Africa, but in Nigeria, to be specific. So we had somebody living with us, and she's you know she's like maybe five years older than me, or she's significantly older older than me, but like she still doesn't know how to read and write, and it's and you know like there's mm-hmm. some at at a certain stage. It feels like you've missed the bus on certain things. Yeah. So she's like, "Oh, I have to work. I have to like actually earn money. I don't have time to like sit down and start learning to read and write." Mm-hmm. And it's just a, mm-hmm. it's a poverty trap because she can't go mm-hmm. past a certain stage because she can't read and write. So she wants to learn a trade now. Like she wants mm-hmm. to, she wanted to learn how to be a tailor. But you need to be able to take measurements if you are yeah. mm-hmm. to be a tailor. Like if you can't measure people, if you can't add things together, like mm-hmm. you can't succeed. So even vocational things, mm-hmm. there's a level, there's a minimum there's a minimum education that people should have to even be successful in vocational endeavors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I agree hundred percent with what has been said thus far. Like I think that at a basic standard, like literacy, basic literacy is paramount. And to me, like in my ideal world, I think that even at like a high school level, we should Mm -hmm. rethink what we're teaching students. I don't think Mm -hmm. everyone needs to go into the same, like, you know, chemistry, biology, Mm -hmm. calculus, I think that what needs to happen, what I would say, like if I could design a high school, I think in grade 10, you would set out for students to like do something of passion. So allow them mm. to do a passion project and then see, and then like maybe get a mentor where possible. But I think that goes into our question of who's teaching the kids. If we don't have enough school teachers, then we mm. can't have a mentorship program per se. Mm. But have students like be able to think of, you know, what they like to do and maybe from there how that can link up to what, quote unquote, the formal curriculum is teaching them. And mm. I think in that way, that's where like our vocational training also comes in where I think that's also that it needs to be more like we need more funding in our vocational training programs. And I think the article that you were speaking of earlier was speaking about how underfunded they are. Mm-hmm. And I think like the problem I would say like in South I say it in South Africa and I'm I'm seeing statistically, I guess based on this article about like continent wide is if we're like if to me there's something fundamentally wrong that every student who goes through the education system has this exact same education. So I just mm. think like if we're all thinking the same way, we're all right. planning the same way, I don't think any innovation comes from that. Mm. So I think if you have more minds who are thinking differently um, all the time, then that's where people can come together and say, okay, this is my passion project, that's your passion project, let's see how that works together and create mm-hmm. something anew. Mm. Um, so I think, I guess, at the end of the day, I just think education is for everyone in the sense of our basic needs of like literacy, but I think we yeah. just need to rethink again, um, how far that goes and how we can teach new things as well. This is Ife, by the way. So this 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 last bit that you were talking about labeled reminded mm-hmm. me of the German education system. So I think mm-hmm. everybody, I'm not 100% sure, but because, of course, I got my information from Wikipedia, so I don't know. <laughs> Very reliable. <laughs> take, it, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but what happens is that for secondary school, German students after elementary school or primary school, they have to take an entrance exam and then they get placed into like one of three different kinds of schools. So there's the first level. I can't like really pronounce it. It's like, let me find a name. Anyway, there's level one, Sha. Let's call it level one. There's the first level, there's the first type of secondary school where people are taught like basic, you know, English, math, like basic sciences and all of that. But it's at a... Mm -hmm. It's at a kinder, slower pace. So for mm-hmm. people who didn't really do well on those entrance examinations, they go into that, you know, into that schooling. And people who um, 
did moderately well go to like level two then the you know super mm -hmm. smart people go to level three so like, like level two and level three schools prepare you for college but level mm -hmm. the level one school like prepares you for vocational training so you know there there's you can there are arguments against this education system and why it might be wrong and why but what me i'm taking from this is that the government puts the most federal funds into public schools that are level one so public mm. schools that are level one where like the pace is slower there's smaller mm -hmm. class sizes there's more attention to the chill you know to the pupils there's like mm -hmm. there's more investment in general in that in that secondary That's school great. grade yeah and it's and, and, and it's not like a condemnation of you know humans are terrible and people will warp everything yeah. but it wasn't created for it to be a condemnation of the children it's like okay we understand that you have special needs we understand mm -hmm. that you cannot you know not everybody learns at the same pace let's create an environment mm -hmm. that will be conducive to your sex yeah. to your success whatever that success might be so some mm -hmm. of those people go into vocational schools and they're like those vocational schools, they like go into factories and build things like, you know, things that go into your iPods and iPads and stuff like that, you know. And, you know, then sometimes those people then after vocational school, if they then decide that they wanted to go to a university, they, they could still go. So it's not like that door is locked to you. Basically, the, the summary of my long-winded story is that... I agree with Label and we have to think think critically about how people learn and, you know, how to have a wider range of teaching styles for different people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another thing that Label said, sorry, I know we're trying to wrap up the episode, but the idea of, I know in most secondary schools in Nigeria, um, when you get to senior secondary school, you're either doing science or arts. Mm. And I remember when I had to decide if I wanted to do science or art, I found myself really stuck in the middle. And I know mm. all through secondary school because I chose, I ended up choosing science. I'm not really, I mean, I love biology, but I don't like chemistry or physics. Because I didn't want to do government or history either, mm. I just found myself like, I, I felt like there was something wrong with me. Like, why am I not good in science? Why mm. do I like history of government? Like, why isn't there something else that I can, you know, do well in? And I think that really reduced my self-esteem when it came to, like, mm. academic. I feel like I reached a point where I knew, like, I just felt like I couldn't do better than how I was doing. And mm -hmm. I wasn't good at this. And I just wanted to do something different, but I couldn't. Like, I was literally stuck in school because there were no options. And I think... There's there's just there is a huge need to expand our our curriculum in Nigeria and I guess maybe in South Africa and other countries because it's just it's not fair it's not right it doesn't give people a well-rounded education mm -hmm. it just traps people in bubbles people who think oh yeah I want to do um I want to I I think I'm going to be good, good in science they end up not being good in science and then they can't do arts and then it's just like okay then what then what can they do. Mm -hmm. And I think you now get to university and you may be overwhelmed with all the options. So I just think like secondary school should be Nigeria should be a feed a good feeder into university. It shouldn't mm -hmm. just be okay. Yeah, I'm going to do uh, just just science, and mm -hmm. you know you end up being stuck in that one thing. Especially if you don't end up liking it. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. That's a problem. Man. I really feel like there needs to be like an episode two <laughs> education talk because I mean there's so many things we haven't you know still covered as far as like cost of education you know um, quality of education but um, yeah. just to wrap wrap this up it's it's been fun um, I want to just do a quick game so there was a report card that was put together of um, the African continent. The question was, is the African continent making the grades? So if you guys think back to your primary education, in light of everything we've talked about, what grade would you give it between an A through an F in terms of preparing you, engaging you, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. So primary education, what grade would you give it? Primary, do you mean like primary one to six, or do you mean yeah. like before high school? Six. No, oh, sorry, well, before um, college. No, no, primary one to six. Oh, okay. Mm. Or grade one to six, whichever way it is in South Africa. <laughs> what grade would I get my primary education? 
So I think primary education, I'd be a bit more lenient in terms mm-hmm. of like it'll teach you your basic things that you need to know. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll give it like a solid B. I mean, I'll give mine a B plus. I think I will, I'll definitely give mine a B plus. Yeah, I think I'd give mine a B plus slash A minus. The reason why this grade is not so great is that I I didn't do arts. I, I feel like I didn't really mm-hmm. explore my artistic side in, in primary school. Mm-hmm. But in terms mm-hmm. of math and mostly math, my school was really good at math. And I went, like, <laughs> I was in primary six and I went to some, like, states competition for math. So I think, yeah. Hey, swag. I know, right? That was just like, I just slipped it in a little, you know, humble brag there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, A minus. <laughs> wow, these are pretty high grades. <laughs> uh, I think I'll give some, the first primary school that I went to till year four, I'll give that one an A plus plus because I didn't know what I had till it was gone. I went to my other school. <laughs> and I would give that a solid B. For different mm. reasons. Yeah. yeah. I would give I would give my primary school an A minus. They would have gotten an A, but man, they flogged though. We had some Ghanaian teachers. Whew, they hey. could flog. That's not play. I would give them an A minus other than that. Alright. Secondary school. Okay, now you can't think too much about this because we've talked about it. Ugh. Mm. Uh. I like yeah. what you get to do too, so <laughs> my different experiences. Yeah. Um so I think my South African high school it's so hard because I like I love it and it's not my ten year anniversary is coming soon and I'm going. Mm. I love this school. Um we move but again <laughs> I know all emotional attachments aside. Educationally, if I would say purely educationally, I would go for a C plus. Um, and if I was to compare it to my high school in the United States, which that one I would give a good, mm, I would say, I'll give it like an A minus. I'll give this one an A minus. Cutie girl. Because I'm like thinking like purely educational. <laughs> like, <laughs> life included. <laughs> Were you a bubbler or not? Okay. <laughs> I was a bubbling bubbler. <laughs> oh, if uh, it was head girl, though. She, she was. was head girl. Head girl. Uh, she was my citizen. I'll give it a C. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I definitely agree. In terms of purely educational, I'll give it a yeah. C. Yeah. You know, I wasn't. It wasn't completely horrible. I, I, we got into. I got into my whole <laughs> by the grace of God. <laughs> yeah, I see. But in terms of social life and mm-hmm. you know, life lessons, learning <laughs> <laughs> how to deal with struggle, mm-hmm. difficult. I give it. I give it. I give it. Okay, that sounds great. Um, I would give Loyola a B plus. Mm. I'm not going to give it an A, or I wouldn't give it a C because of the nature of the Nigerian educational system. So I yeah. guess they really couldn't mm. do that much. They could have tried, but they couldn't do much. But we had good teachers, and we did have teachers that helped us after, like outside our classrooms. They tried for, you know, our exam preparations. They beat, they beat us a bit. Education, education only. I'd say B plus. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So just to wrap up, we always wrap up with the did. Well, we started to wrap up with the did you know. Yeah, but do you have any like? <laughs> did you know you want to share about South oh, Africa yeah, or Lesotho? Not that I can think of at the moment. Um, but I think there's a lot of. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have followed the protest actions that were happening in South Africa's tertiary mm-hmm. educations yeah. um, last year. So I think that, I mean, there's positive that we can take away from that. And that, I think, is did you know that a lot of students are fun, are interested in their educational systems and what, how they can, can access higher education? We're talking about tertiary mm-hmm. level. And yeah. I think that it's, it's very positive to see that students taking agency um, mm-hmm. in terms of their own educational um, kind of lives. So that's a positive mm-hmm. I would take from there. 
Um, one more did you know? Like I didn't know Lesotho was like a country within South Africa. It is. is it a is it a sovereign country? It's a, a sovereign country. So what I normally say is that like when people say, Oh, Lesotho is a country inside South Africa, I just say it's a country that just happens to be surrounded by South Africa. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so it's a, it is its own sovereign country. So Lesotho, the country itself, was formed before South Africa, the country, was formed. Um, and we have our own prime minister, our own currency, um, a full-fledged cabinet as well. Um, mm. Although it's uh, it has its challenges um, mm. as a country um, that I think that are some are un- not unique to Lesotho, some are. And yeah, so it came about, I guess, from the different, I guess, ethnic wars that took place in like the 1700s, 1800s. Um, and then Lesotho asked for protection from the British um, and then was formed from there. Cool. So it was, yeah, it was much larger um, at inception, but then through wars and things, we lost a lot of land. So mm. that's where we are now. Oh, wow. So is your passport, is your passport like a Lesotho passport? Yes. Or do you have a Lesotho? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a Lesotho passport as well. Yeah, look that up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that, so awesome. that was cool. Yeah, we learn something new every day. Yeah, so what, what are you guys reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Oof. So this is Ifeiwa, and I have an update. <laughs> mm. I finally went Beast of No Nation. Yay! Oh, yeah. I watched it yesterday because I was like, we're recording today, and I said I was going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched that. it, and I give it a 4.5. Um, out of one? Yeah. What? Wait, out of five? Yeah, out of five. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I really, I really liked it. Am I? <laughs> I think the cinematography is great. Um, yeah. I love that towards the end of the movie, they talk, they they showed us like the rehabilitation part of like mm-hmm. involving like mm-hmm. in the lives of child soldiers. Um. Yeah. And okay, maybe I'll give it a four because like it did run a little quite long. But then I was also like, I could also see why Idris wasn't nominated for like best. I don't know. Yeah. I, I could see why, because I don't. I don't think there was anything like it wasn't mind blowing. Like, yeah. anyways, he did good. Like, he did great. The accent, he he did good. But like, I wasn't like it didn't wow me. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, that's my update. And then, um, I'm reading a book called The God of Small Things, and mm-hmm. it's by. Yeah, I finally read it, and it's so amazing. Like, the day I started reading it, I saw some other guy on the bus reading it, and then on my way back from work, I was reading it, and some other guy was like, hey, I've read that book. It's my favorite book. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So the universe is actually telling me that I should be reading this book. Um, And it's by, um, I don't know how to say her name, Arundhati Roy. Um, And so, yeah, so far it's been a pretty compelling read. So I'm not listening to anything new, and I'm not reading anything new other than my GMAT textbook. Uh, <laughs> instead of saying that, can I give a shout out? Because I feel like yeah. I've been so negative about the educational system. But I'm also grateful for the fact that we learned how to cram in Nigerian schools, because that really helped me in university, and I didn't have time to actually understand what I had to read for I just crammed like ten pages. Shout out to Nigeria. Um so watching I'm not watching anything new per se and reading I've decided to reread To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. So that I can read um, Go Tell a Watchman. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm really enjoying it because I haven't read that book since I was very young. So, yeah. yeah. I'm not really reading anything but my brain candy smutty romance novels that I read sometimes. <laughs> um, if you're into romance novels, check out Courtney Milan. That's I'm reading her brother's sinister. You know, like, here are not your African cliche. We give you a variety. We have, like, intellectual <laughs> conversations. But we also talk about wonderful romance novels. So, yes. I am still watching, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, Generations, The Legacy. Um, it's a South African, South African show. Oh, my <laughs> God, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. 
it's kind of like the African days of our lives, where like it, yeah. it goes on forever. But like I, I grew up watching Generations when it first started. Well, yeah. When on Mnet, Yeah, mm-hmm. and then yeah. I remember Carabo, and you know, and then when oh, I found wow. out that it was still going on, I was like, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> so right wow. now, I'm like still in 2015. <laughs> I'm in September though, so I'm making great strides. And I just don't know how to feel about these characters. Like one minute I'm like, manga, I can't deal with you. But then I'm like, Mazri, like how how do you how do you do that? So yeah, I'm that's that's me right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you to um, OK Africa. Yes. Oh my God, Homegirl put us on the up and up. Um, but yeah, so we got featured in Ifani's article on six hot African podcasts you should be listening to. So thank you so much to all our new listeners. We really, really appreciate you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know what? Why not just do some shout-outs, right? <laughs> not too much to ask. Okay, so shout-out to the person who's played our podcast the most this week, Sue K.A. Kid, um, and then Chisanga, M.K., Elda, Dina, User three four seven one nine nine seven seven Ruby newbie, all of you guys, thank you so much. Please remember to rate, review, like, subscribe on iTunes. We're not your African cliche on Facebook. We're not your African cliche. SoundCloud NYAC podcast and follow us on Twitter. We want to talk to you guys at NYAC podcast. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Thank you, thank you for coming through. Um, and to Femile, who is the intro and outro of this show, please go on iTunes, buy his music. He's an amazing Afro jazz musician. Um, thank you so much for letting us, you know, use your music to grace our podcast. So until next time, we are not your acting musician. Ow, ow. <laughs>